Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And here we go. Episode 13 of the Announcer Schedule podcast is back. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMont Mollen, he is the man behind the Twitter account at Announcer Skeds. And of course, you can listen to our podcast weekly on the Sports Media Watch feed. You get three podcasts for the price of one. Rate, review, subscribe, all of them. And make sure you uh, check back in every week for Announcer Skeds. We've got football. Week one is here. Week zero in the books. We had a preseason game. We got baseball. We got news, notes. We got all sorts of stuff. So let's dive right into it, Phil. Football is back, and we've got every announcer for every game this week we're going to look at. Plus, we've got the Amazon game. we got the Week Zero games. we got baseball. But it's good to have football back. Football is back. We've been waiting for this point of the season throughout the summer, and we are here. And, uh, yeah, college football week zero this past weekend. Uh, you mentioned the Amazon Prime debut uh, this past Thursday night as well. And then week one in college football. I mean, this is a, a mega week on this Labor Day weekend. Uh, some big, big matchups and just a ton of content. If you're able to take uh, the time and, and settle in with that remote control, there's a lot going on in college football this weekend. Yes, indeed. But let's start back at Thursday night. NFL Amazon Prime made its debut uh, they had their pregame show with their full brigade. And then Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, uh, Kaylee Hartung. I thought the broadcast was really good. It felt big. Al Michaels still has his fastball. I thought him and Herbstreet, uh, I don't think they had any moments of talking on top of me. They felt like they've done games before. I thought they got Hartung involved very early in the game to get her in there. Uh, I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick 
um, um, was the star of the pregame show. I thought he was excellent. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him someplace else uh, down the road. Uh, but the Amazon Prime felt like network television, did it not, Phil? Yeah, that's right. Uh, no doubt about it. You know, beginning with that pregame show with Trey Thompson, Tony Gonzalez, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Richard Sherman uh, thought they did a great job. And then the broadcast itself was was pretty phenomenal, uh, especially considering Michaels and Herb Street have never worked together. But, you know, those two, of course, two of the best in the business and the chemistry was right there from kickoff. And Kaylee Hartung back on the sidelines after spending some time in the news side of things for both CNN and ABC News. She's on the sidelines for Amazon Prime NFL. And, yeah, it was great to see, you know, that crew kind of get off and running that quickly. You know, a lot of the credit has to go, of course, to uh, Fred Goodelli, the the producer, you know, who Amazon Prime invested in him to come over from Sunday Night Football in NBC. And, yeah, just um, really impressive debut, in my opinion. I thought, you know, it was, you know, um, they didn't overdo anything in terms of the, the new technologies and rollouts and that kind of thing. You know, they kept it to, you know, sort of pure football. And, you know, they were considering this a bit of a dress rehearsal, and I think they're, they're ready to roll come their, their season debut uh, coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, really cool to see Michaels and Herb Street together. Um, one little critique I'd like to make of Herb Street, that this was pointed out by a Twitter follower, and it's probably worth all of us who are in broadcasting to think about it a little bit. And what – what I'm referring to is, you know, the Niners were playing the Texans in this game. And in particular, the 49ers, you know, were referred to as the 49ers or San Francisco or maybe even SF. Well, the one thing that San Francisco locals do not want you to call them by is San Fran. And over and over again, Herb Street would call San Francisco San Fran. And if you talk to any local of San Francisco, they prefer not to be referred to that way. In fact, they look at it as a bit of an insult. So uh, I saw a couple of Niners fans chime in with that critique. But, um, yeah, just something worth worth noting. Well, let me, tell you, all, living you know, 3, 000, let me tell you, living 3,000 miles away, I would never have known that little factoid there. So broadcasting to – the entire nation. I don't know that we would ever have known that. That's some good inside San Francisco information you got there. Well, and one other thing, you know, Herb Street maybe never called a game with the the term San Francisco in it. You know, he's obviously done Pac-12 games, you know, places like Cal and Stanford and UCLA and USC and Oregon and all that. But he, you know, there isn't a college football team named San Francisco. Now there's right. a college basketball team, University of San Francisco. So maybe you, you know, you know the the Jay Billises of the world may have gone into that world. But you know, to, you know, Herb Street maybe has never even considered it himself being a college football guy. So you know, that's that's a you know very uh, minor critique, but you know something just I wanted to mention because a, a few of those. Uh, Bay Area Twitter followers pointed that one out. Well, let's uh, hear how it all started off. This was Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet on the debut on Amazon Prime. Their Thursday night football package started a little something like this. Al Michaels with Kirk Herbstreet. 
fancy meeting you here. Great to be. We're going to have a heck of a year this year. We certainly are. We have tonight's game, 15 regular season games. In this one, you have the 49ers. We know this is the old. All right, so a quick little, uh, hey, fancy seeing you here. And uh, Al Michaels, as I mentioned, still with the fastball, but we didn't see the slide in from Herb Street. He was sitting right on the set. Yeah, I, I guess they, you know, consider that sacred from the days of Michaels and Collinsworth. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that – that. Uh tone and just like that that familiar uh feel michaels and the way he introduced herb street that that was gold right there i i felt and uh yeah really cool to see them off and running and you know obviously they're just going to get better and better you know throughout the season but i think it's something to be really excited about in terms of the announcing side of things uh thursday night football on amazon prime and you know i thought they did a pretty good job with the pregame postgame halftime crew as well you know on site you know uh studio environment um, you know, some new faces there working together. Um, you know, Carissa Thompson working with Tony Gonzalez yet again. She kept on referring how they, they got reunited. They had, they've worked in the past, but Ryan Fitzpatrick making his debut, Richard Sherman. And I thought they did a good job kind of, you know, fitting all those in. We were worried or, or not worried, but, you know, we, we had wondered how they were going to work so many personalities into the broadcast. But it seems like they did a nice job. And, you know, um, I think all systems are go for Amazon. I, I thought Fitzpatrick was the star of that show. He was excellent. Uh, Tony Gonzalez is Tony Gonzalez. He's been around on some of the networks. I think he gives you kind of a straight shooter, nothing over the top, not very opinionated. Um, I think you'll hear more from Sherman as he gets more comfortable uh, I don't know how many people are going to watch that pregame. I totally uh, got into it early because I wanted to see the pregame with Herb Street and and Michael, so I caught the pregame. But uh, overall, I was impressed with the broadcast. Let's get to the college game now. We got week zero, so had a couple games on TV. Nebraska-Northwestern was the big Fox game. Uh, Vanderbilt-Hawaii was late. I caught a little bit of those two. Um, so what did you think from uh, week zero? Well, I had the benefit of actually having the day off on uh, Saturday, so I was able to actually settle in with with a bunch of uh, the college football action during week zero. And, you know, um, I mentioned it's kind of like Christmas morning for the hardcore college football fans, you know, and, you know, I would definitely consider myself one of them. And on 12 noon Eastern time, 11 a.m. Central time, Austin P at Western Kentucky kicked the whole thing off. And, you know, that was Chick Hernandez uh, play by play the veteran Randy cross. I mean, I, I settled in with this broadcast a little bit and Randy cross has been around a long time. And in a lot of ways you could tell just his veteran chops, you know, able to, to bring in um, his side of things on the, the analysts point of view. And, you know, they did a great job on CBS sports network to kind of kick off the day. Then Nebraska Northwestern from Ireland, um, you know, Jason Benetti and Brock Heward were in a studio. However, uh, I thought the, that that side of things looked great. Like, you know, you couldn't tell, you know, if, you know, obviously I think word kind of got out, you know, that, hey, they're, they're at a studio and people, you know, might have taken a, um, you know, a couple of critiques there just because they had that knowledge. But if you're watching it with a blind eye, I don't think you would have realized. And Jason Benetti making his Fox debut. You know, um, you know, that was a big offseason transaction working with Brock Heward and ends up being a great game as far as the upset Northwestern taking down Nebraska. And then, yeah, you mentioned uh, that. Evening, well, real quick, before we get know, to there, that, there let's were... hear a little bit from that game if we can. I got a clip here of Benetti and cool. Heard together. So why don't we get that in here first before we get some thoughts? This is on the uh, uh, Fox Big Noon game. This was their kickoff of the season in Dublin. Stop 
Thompson giving ground. Here comes the pressure. He gets away from Holmes, finds his way to the outside. McLaughlin turns him around. He sets and throws, and this ball is caught. Garcia Castaneda out of a total scramble. Look at he almost loses his footing, but he has the awareness in the eyes up with two rushers in his face. And you're out on the playground. All right, that's uh, cured on the uh, analysis right there. Benetti, I thought Benetti had kind of a Sean McDonough feel to him there. I've always liked Brock Cured. By the way, he's back doing mornings on 710 ESPN in Seattle. He had been there, took some time off. They were doing a podcast, Mike Salk and Brock Cured. He's back on the morning show now, so he's doing Fox College, and he's back on Seattle mornings. But I like Benetti there. He sounded very Sean McDonough-esque to me. Yeah, and, and I agree about Heward. He's one of my favorite NFL analysts. Also, um, I think he really breaks down stuff tremendously. And, you know, that was, that was a great call on a wild play. Um, <laughs> in that game in Ireland, and ends up being a you know big upset there. You know, Northwestern taking down Nebraska. It's kind of the play of the weekend. It was all over social media. Yeah, no doubt. And then you know that evening, you know, I was able to settle in with even more. You know, there was a game on the ACC network. Florida A and M was actually hanging with North Carolina. Florida A and M had a, a depleted roster. Uh, down a bunch of players due to eligibility issues. Had a couple of their O linemen after they were already shorthanded. Uh, head to the locker room with injury, and then they're hanging in with North Carolina into the deep into the second half. Uh, Matt Barry, Tim Hasselbeck were on that call, and then yeah, late night Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Rich Waltz, uh, we mentioned him last show, uh, handling the play-by-play duties. Uh, ended up being a bit of a blowout. Vanderbilt uh, beating Hawaii. Um, Hawaii actually playing in a um, temporary uh, stadium situation. That you know the the big stadium in Hawaii under construction. But they were playing in a, on a much smaller venue. They had a sellout crowd, but it was a significantly smaller venue. So that's always interesting from a TV standpoint as far as getting set up in a, in a venue that you may not have done a football game before. But, yeah, just a lot of fun in general to get week zero kicked off. And, you know, it wasn't like the greatest slate of games ever, but just to, to have action, you know, in college football and uh, see these broadcasts unfold. Um, a lot of fun this past Saturday. Sure was. Uh, and now we're going to do it for real. Week one is upon us. It all starts uh, – this drops on Thursday. So if you're listening to us when we drop on Thursday, these are those games. If you get us a little bit later on in the week, well, the Thursday games happen. But don't forget, Sports Media Watch feed, uh, Mike and Phil, the announcer schedule podcast. We're going to be breaking down all of uh, who's where, give you some quick thoughts on the, uh, the pairings um, here and there Thursday night. This will be the game I am locked in on. I am a West Virginia alum, and I don't like the uh, pairings already. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, West Virginia Pitt, you got Lewis Riddick, a Pitt guy. You can't put a Pitt guy on the Pitt Backyard Brawl podcast. You got to balance me out here. Matthew Barry and Harry Lyles Jr. I like Riddick a lot on the uh, broadcast, but he's a Pitt guy, so I got to give it to him a little bit. Yeah, so it's a Thursday night. You can get things started with the backyard brawl uh, um, on ESPN. Uh, if you you know want more Benetti and Heward, or if you didn't catch them the first time around uh, with that game at Ireland, they'll be in action on Thursday night also. Uh, once again, Central Michigan, Oklahoma State, that's on FS1. And then the big one on Thursday uh, that's going to get a ton of attention, you know, Fox's debut um, on this uh, number one crew, Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, and Jen Taft. You know, the Gus Johnson fans I know um, 
are dying to hear him again. He won't be calling NFL due to his Harvard commitment. However, Gus Johnson will be on the call on Thursday night. And then just a couple other, um, I wanted to mention the late night games. Uh, our friend Roxy Bernstein will make his college football debut um, on the Pac-12 network, uh, 10 o'clock. If, you, if you're able to get that on one of your uh, distributors, Northern Arizona at Arizona State, Roxy Bernstein and Lincoln Kennedy. And then a game I'm actually going to be working out of the Fox Studios in Charlotte. Uh, this is a, a unique situation for us because it's a, it's a very late night game here on the eastern side, but we're, we're ready to pull it off. Cal Poly at Fresno State, FS1, Eric Collins and Devin Gardner on the call. I'm going to be supporting with uh, talent statistician roles in that one out of the studio. And, uh, yeah, if you're able to tune in late night, check us out, uh, Cal Poly, Fresno State. All right, uh, Phil will be on uh, that broadcast team. Very important role, by the way. That statistician is a big time. Uh, for any broadcast, I wish I had them at my broadcast on Saturday night, which uh, was maybe one of the toughest broadcasts I ever did. We can talk about that a little later. Friday, uh, local roots for us here in the uh, Atlantic City, Philadelphia area. It's Temple at Duke. This is on the ACC network, and you got a Big Ten matchup, um, Illinois and Indiana. Yeah, the t- there's more games on Friday, and the two that that you know got my attention at least, you know, that Temple Duke matchup. A veteran play-by-play announcer, Wes Durham, on the call. Um, you know, folks um, likely know Wes. You know, he does uh, Falcons radio as well on Sundays, uh, and has been around a long time covering the the ACC. Uh, Roddy Jones, the analyst, Taylor Davis on the sidelines, and then a veteran crew making their um, debut this season. Illinois at Indiana on FS1. A uh, Tim Brando. Um, great to see him back for yet another season, along with Spencer Tillman. These two have worked together for a long time. I mean, talking about chemistry and knowing each other and able to read each other's minds and that kind of thing. So that was Brando your three thirty. That was your three thirty CBS team for a while. They got the number one SEC game there back in in the day, right? Yeah, I, I think so for for a bit there. And um, yeah, Brando and, and Tillman, you know. Um, they just have they know what they're doing they've been around um you know i saw tim tweet out some some of his prep work as well and seems like he's ready to roll and if you go all the way back to episode one of the announcer schedules podcast uh you know tim brando always uh have a a little piece in the announcer schedule because uh, he was the first one to to retweet an announcer schedules Tweet, tweet way back when and uh, <laughs> yeah, got this whole thing started. And so here we are, we, right? We always appreciate Brando. Yep. And now episode 13 is alive. Uh, let's go to Saturday. This is the first Saturday of college football. And uh, we got a lengthy state uh, slate here with some uh, really good games to start things off here. They got an interstate rivalry, NC State ECU over there in your state. Uh, you've got the um, – uh, Notre Dame, they'll be playing Oregon, Georgia, uh, or Notre Dame, Ohio State, by the way, huge one. Utah, Florida is going to be a really good game. Uh, so this is a really good first Saturday. Uh, what do we got? Yeah, I mean, it, we could uh, take hours going through every single game. There's so much college football going on on Saturday. But, you know, kicks off with Colorado State at Michigan. ABC, Mark Jones, Robert Griffin III on the call. Um, Quick Kucinich in the sideline role. And then that NC State ECU game that you mentioned, that'll be the debut of Brock Osweiler in the analyst role. He's working along 
our buddy Anish Shroff, uh, Lauren Sistler uh, reporting from the sidelines. And then there's there's a bunch more, including Noah Eagle making his uh, uh, Fox uh, college football debut on FS1 at noon. And then the, the day continues on uh, big ones. Uh, 3.30, McDonough, Blackledge, and McGrath uh, for the Oregon-Georgia game on ABC. And then that evening, uh, Wischusen, our, our buddy Bob Wischusen, you know, we'll see his college football debut. 7 o'clock, Utah at Florida on ESPN. He's paired with Dan Orlovsky, Chris Budden reporting. And then the big ABC game on Saturday night, um, arguably uh, the biggest game of the weekend, Notre Dame at Ohio State on ABC on Saturday night. Chris Fowler, who's juggling U.S. Open duties as well, will be on the call, of course, with uh, Herb Street and Holly Rowe. All right, so uh, there you go. You got a big Saturday for you, and uh, we've got uh, a whole heck of a lot of teams. There's uh, Sean McDonough, as you mentioned, with Todd Blackledge on that uh, Oregon-Georgia. Might be the game of the weekend there, 3.30, the Chick-fil-A kickoff. You mentioned Bob Wischusen, uh, who we have had on the podcast. If you want to go back through the Sports Media Watch archives, you can just listen to Bob's uh, portion of that podcast. That interview is singled out there. Dan Orlovsky and Bob Wischusen. I'm looking forward. I like Orlovsky in the studio role. Haven't heard enough of him in the, play, in the uh, analyst role, so I'm definitely interested in that. And you mentioned... Fowler and Herb Street, they are back for that big 7.30 ABC. And then he got a single game on Sunday, and uh, this is the Sugar Bowl kickoff. Yeah, so big one on Sunday, Florida State LSU. Uh, that'll be Joe Tessitore, Greg McElroy, and Katie George. So these kind of, you know, big brand names um, continuing on on this big Labor Day weekend, week one of the college football season. And then, and then Monday night, Labor Day, Clemson, Georgia Tech, ESPN, 8 p.m., Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet. So, you know, Herbstreet uh, getting another game in, but this time working with Reese uh, as Chris Fowler will be back with the U.S. Open coverage come that time at Flushing Meadows. And then Molly McGrath on the sidelines with that crew as well. So Clemson, Georgia Tech on Monday night. So settle in. <laughs> There's a lot going on this weekend in college football. Sure do. And uh, that's not even it because there is a Monday game as well. And I know – uh, that one is uh, definitely on the radio because we are carrying it here on my station in Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. That's Clemson, Georgia Tech. That will be on Touchdown Radio. And uh, that one is also, as the one you mentioned there, Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet. So we got games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And most of those games, at least the big ones, uh, they are going to be on the radio as well. So wherever you may be, Pop in your car, put on your favorite sports talk station or uh, AM radio, because some of those uh, generally will have some sort of syndicated sports programming, and you might hear one of these games. Yeah, in a hat tip to Daniel Ormsby, who, do, who does a great job with his blog, um, putting together the radio announcing crews on the national radio side. Very early in the week, uh, he was able to secure all this information. But the ones that, that, uh, that um, you know kind of pop off the page – uh, Thursday night, Penn State, Purdue, um, Westwood One uh, will have the coverage. J.P. Shadrick and Ryan Harris. Um, previous guest on the Announcer Schedules podcast, Mark Kessischer, will make his uh, college football debut. ESPN Radio on that big Oregon-Georgia matchup. Uh, Kessischer, um, 
will be on the play-by-play there. And then, you know, the new uh, Learfield crew will have that Utah-Florida game. We talked about them on an earlier episode, Sloan Martin and Mike Golick Jr. Uh, More Westwood One action comes Saturday night. And then, uh, yeah, the uh, games just continue on. All the big games we mentioned, like kind of the big national matchups, if they're on network TV, you know, ABC, uh, Fox, that sort of thing, uh, they're typically picked up by one of these national radio syndicated networks as well. All right. Uh, so you get a chance to listen to the radio. Always uh, good names on the radio, good calls on the radio. Uh, some of the guys that I'm familiar with there, you mentioned, uh, we had Mark Kessischer on. I hear him a lot. He's uh, the ESPN play-by-player. Ryan Ratke, Westwood One. Greg Daniels, uh, the compass guy, uh, he's a very uh, good voice. Brian Baldinger is his analyst. He's a guy who does uh, very good work uh, on NFL Network as well, and um, I, I like joy- hearing his analysis. I think he does a really good job breaking down the offensive line play, if you like that kind of stuff. So uh, there's a couple things there. So football is back. Uh, there is all of the announcers breaking down, and if we miss one, let us know. We will uh, make sure that we do our best to get all the broadcasters in each and every week here on the Announcer Schedule podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and get us on Thursdays on the Sports Media Watch feed. All right, let's go to baseball. We're getting down the stretch here. We had Little League World Series uh, we had uh, a Fox game. We've got the ESPN stuff. Uh, but baseball, we're starting to get into September. When people listen to our podcast, it's going to be September now. Yeah, we're coming down the stretch, and, you know, the, the coverage of baseball is continuing on, that's for sure. And, you know, a couple notables this past weekend. Uh, ESPN, you know, was covering the Little League World Series, you know, finals, the championship round. And Carl Ravitch was handling the play-by-play duties there in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So Boog Shambi uh, filled in for Ravitch on the Braves-Cardinals Sunday night game. So it was Shambi, Ed Perez, David Cohn, and Buster Olney. So uh, Shambi getting uh, those reps on the Sunday night baseball TV side. And our our buddy Roxy Bernstein did the game this, this past weekend, Braves-Cardinals. He's got a bunch more. Uh, Major League Baseball coming up uh, beginning um, this weekend as well. Uh, Bernstein uh, getting those ESPN radio assignments that he had mentioned to us also. And then this past weekend on Fox, you know, Braves, Cardinals um, on the majority of the country. Aaron Goldsmith handled play-by-play duties for that one. You know, so he stepped into that role. Um, Joe Davis, I would imagine, is is – you know, handling on a lot of different contracts and whatnot, making sure he gets all of his obligations in between, uh, you know, Fox television, yeah. uh, both baseball and football, and then also Dodgers radio. So I'm not sure how all that works exactly, but Goldsmith getting the uh, play-by-play duties on Saturday night with Smoltz. And I thought Aaron Goldsmith did a, did a tremendous job in, in, that, in a big spot, which actually was a, a, a walk-off, uh, you know, win that night. And then, on um, the rest of the country, also on Saturday night, previous guest of the program, Kevin Kugler, was on the call with A.J. Przinsky, uh bringing some action from uh, Minnesota for a Twins game. So um, cool to see all that action on Saturday night. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to, to, to baseball continuing on. And, you know, we, we talked about how, hey, football is here, but 
you know, baseball playoffs will be here before we know it as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, I watched the uh, consolation game, actually, of the Little League uh, World Series as well. I, you know, I don't remember who was doing the play-by-play. Mike uh, Monaco. Steve, Mike Monaco? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Mike Monaco was Mike doing Monaco. the consolation game. And, and, and um, I yeah, don't... I, you know, he, he's he's been around a bit of Monaco and, and certainly can handle – you know, that, that sort of assignment, you know, pretty easily. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm lo- trying to look up real quick. You know, I don't know off the top of my head who the uh, analyst it was, was. a guy but... who generally does soccer for ESPN because they made a lot of uh, soccer references uh, during the game. And I had uh, looked him up, and he's a part of their soccer broadcast. I wasn't familiar. I don't watch a lot of soccer, full disclosure. Yeah, in fact, um, the name is Sebastian Salazar. There you go. And um, Sebastian has been, um, it seems like, kind of embedded up in Williamsport for a little bit here and, and able to do a lot of the the reporting and, and um, you know, side stories as well. Uh, he was part of the, the broadcast of the championship game also. You know, they had a bunch of, of faces on that one. But, yeah, the, the game that you saw, Mike Monaco play-by-play, Sebastian Salazar analyst. See, I'm going deep here, Phil. I'm going deep. I'm watching the consolation game to make sure those guys get their mentions here uh, on the announcer schedule podcast. All right. Uh, we've got a big week in U.S. Open tennis, which is getting a lot of attention. Uh, obviously, um, you know, uh, these, this U.S. Open is a very special one. Yeah, I mean, Serena Williams, of course, the, the headliner, and, you know, just from her, her very first match, uh, you know, a tremendous uh, environment up there uh, for the U.S. Open. And, yeah, Chris Fowler handling things there. And, and this is always an interesting time of year of Fowler. We touched on it a little bit earlier, you know, as far as juggling his college football responsibilities along with the U.S. Open. And, you know, he, he's he's got so much experience in both that, you know, he, he's able to, to handle it. But, you know, just kind of keep that in the back of your head as you see Fowler, like that he's got a lot going on in terms of, you know, where he has to be next and, and all that sort of thing. And, you know, so it, it, it's great to see, you know, the, the familiar voices for, for U.S. Open tennis. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to see this continue to unfold. Yeah, Serena Williams has been a big uh, story there at U.S. Open. They're getting pretty good ratings. Uh, give us the motorsports. Uh, Rick Allen, who we've had on the announcer schedule podcast, uh, what happened uh, with uh, Daytona last weekend? Yeah, th- this was interesting because, you know, NASCAR shifted around their schedule a bit where they moved the Daytona summer race that was forever on fourth weekend. Uh, folks might remember, if you go way back, you know it as the Firecracker 400, <laughs> which used to be run before they even had lights at Daytona International Speedway. This race was run about an 11 a.m. start on July the 4th every year. That was the tradition. You know, incredibly hot conditions <laughs> in Daytona Beach, Florida for that one, if you go way back. And then it, it later was called the Pepsi 400, you know, Coke Zero 400 as of late, you know, Coca-Cola, the, the title sponsor of that race. And so NASCAR made this shift where they made the Daytona summer race the final race of the NASCAR regular season where stakes are high because – uh, drivers are trying to, you know, jockey for position and get a spot in the NASCAR playoffs. And so, you know, here Daytona stakes are high, all ready to go Saturday night, uh, NBC and 
the rain comes, you know, and the lightning comes, and there's a delay and another delay, and then eventually they they reschedule the race to 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, and the best um, solution at that point, you know, because of Premier League being on um, USA Network and, you know, programming already locked in on Sunday mornings with the, um, you know, uh, political news magazine shows and that kind of thing, Sunday mornings on, on NBC affiliates, NBC decides to put it on CNBC on, on 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Meanwhile, on Saturday night, they had some great classic re-airs of previous races um, of the Daytona summer race. Um, and the first one they showed was the Pepsi 400 um, from way back in 2001. And this was an incredible race in NASCAR history whereby Dale Earnhardt Jr., won the race, uh, his first win at Daytona. And this was just months after the passing, the tragic passing of Dale, of his father, Dale Earnhardt Sr. in the accident at the Daytona 500. So Junior wins the race, the crowd goes bananas, and it makes for incredible television as well. And what was great is they showed the last probably 50 laps of this race, and they had Junior up in the booth with Jeff Burton kind of on top of the um, original broadcast chiming in um, as far as Junior's current thoughts. And they took it all the way through the celebration at the end. And Junior got a little choked up, you know, um, reflecting back on that night and just how incredible it was. And he said, hey, I've seen this thing countless times. And the, the fact that it still affects me so much that every time I see it, you know, I get this emotional, um, really incredible. And on a personal note, you know, we we mentioned it before. I spent about a decade in, in the motorsports PR business, and this was my first race as a uh, motorsports professional. Um, I uh, got the assignment. I was working down at Homestead Miami Speedway at the time as their director of PR. Uh, you know, Homestead Miami and Daytona are both owned by the same parent company, International Speedway Corporation, and I was – dispatched up to Daytona um, so I could learn as much as I could on, on um, you know, in a short, short amount of time. I had never really known much about um, the NASCAR business side of things. And I went up there to, to see how they uh, handle things from a media operations standpoint, you know, and, and watch that race that they showed on replay on, um, you know, from a press box location and what a first race introduction to the sport. I'm, I'm, I'm tremendously grateful for that. And, you know, forever kind of bonded to, to Dale Jr. in that race, you know, after being there in person. And then after that, they re-aired another race. And Rick Allen had referenced this race in our previous interview, whereby uh, his first race, along with uh, Jeff Burton and Steve Letarte on NBC, was that dramatic win also a Dale Jr. victory. And you remember um, Rick kind of talking us through it and how that race ended late in the morning after a bunch of rain delays and that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, they re-aired that as well. So, so that was really cool um, to see those re-airs. So kind of maybe, you know, for the hardcore NASCAR fan or, or at least the, the nostalgic one, a uh, blessing in disguise as far as that rain out on Saturday night and just really neat to see that the coverage of those uh re-air classic races and uh speaking of a uh, classic uh, old school nascar fan how about the bad boy tony uh, stewart's gonna be back 
Yeah, Tony Stewart is going to be part of the NHRA U.S. Nationals uh, broadcast this weekend. And, you know, Stewart, um, you know, is it's no stranger to the booth. You know, it, both as a, as a driver, you'd see him pop up there every once in a while if, if it was a series that he wasn't necessarily racing in. Um, you know, in post-retirement, you know, we've seen him in the booth from time to time again. So it, it's, it's not as if he's unfamiliar, but this will be a, a – you know, big moment for him as far as a Fox broadcast booth, NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series, NHRA U.S. Nationals uh, from Lucas Oil International Raceway, Indianapolis Raceway, rather, uh, is the, the formal name of it up in Indianapolis. And this is their kind of Super Bowl of drag racing, you know, the NHRA um, U.S. Nationals, where, you know, their, their biggest uh, weekend of the year. And so, Fox and uh, Tony Stewart, um, you know, taking advantage of that. And Stewart um, actually, you know, is is very ingrained in the, in the sport of NHRA drag racing now. And, uh, yeah, so th this kind of makes a lot of sense, but it's cool that Fox was able to secure him. You know, he's got other responsibilities, uh, you know, at, at the track, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, the fact that Fox was able to get him up in the booth some, it's going to be a lot of fun. He's an interesting character, that's for sure. You know, and, and bad boy is a good word for it in a lot of ways as far as, you know, you know some of what he brings to the table. So it'll be fun to see him on the call. Now, that's what uh, we, we used to call him back in college. Now, admittedly, not a big NASCAR fan, but my two roommates in college, our living room had Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s uh, tires were holding up the table, the glass. That was what they bought at the track and brought it to my living room and I said what the hell are these of course somebody from New Jersey I said well, what are these they're Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s tires you idiot I'm whoa I'm sorry so I used to hear them screaming back and forth at each other um you know and, and Tony Stewart obviously in the 90s the early 2000s uh was uh, one of the best all right so let's uh, get some questions in uh, as we like to get from some of the podcast listeners if you have questions send them in at announcer skeds and we will Hash them out here. Ben in St. Petersburg, Florida. I love that area, Ben. I'm in Clearwater Beach every single year and uh, have made many a visit to St. Pete. Uh, I know it's not St. Pete's with an S. It's St. Pete right there, Ben. Uh, please touch on someone, uh, how they become a spotter or statistician, and do either of those roles lead into becoming a play-by-play -play announcer? I've never been a spotter or statistician. Uh, so, Phil, you can tackle that one. Yeah, you know, um, appreciate Ben. You know, he he obviously has big interest in these roles. Maybe we can, you know, get him and, you know, help him break into the business because uh, he had a, some great questions last week as far as, you know, the, these uh, behind-the-scene roles and, you know, uh, brings that question as a follow-up. And, you know, I can only speak of really personal experience and, you know, what I've seen from, you know, some of my colleagues, but at least for me, you know, I was a, a, a sports information uh, person, you know, a, a college sports PR um, uh, representative. And, you know, what a lot of us do is we find freelance gigs, you know, beyond our responsibilities on the college campus. And you know, I got offered, you know, from just my network of folks, an opportunity. My very first one um, was at the University of Miami Radio Network, Joe Zagaki. Um, actually, if we date back even further, Zagaki was on Color, 
which is kind of interesting because this is actually, I, I'd like to touch on this too, Mike, because the follow-up from last week, but Zagaki was on color and Mark Vandermeer, who's now the voice of the Houston Texans, uh, was the play-by-play announcer at that time uh, for the University of Miami. And um, the reason I, I, I want to mention that is last week the question came up, are play-by-play announcers and analysts interchangeable? And um, remember, Mike, you know, like that came up and we were, we were kind of talking that through? Yep, absolutely, yep. Yeah, and so we actually got some feedback, and I was able to reflect on it a little more also as far as, you know, some of these examples of play-by-play announcers who also have been in this role and likewise analysts who can handle play-by-play. And a couple names were sent in, um, so appreciate, again, the listener feedback uh, one of them was Jimmy Cephalo. I don't know if you know that name, Mike, but he's a former uh, Miami Dolphin, um, went on to do um, national work with NBC and handling uh, both analyst role there. And then he broke into the play-by-play world. Um, I actually worked with him for a couple years as his stats guy as the radio play-by-play announcer for the Miami Dolphins, and he's been there ever since. So that's a former player former wide receiver of the Dolphins, was an analyst for NBC Sports, NFL football, I believe back in the the 80s, maybe early 90s, and now is a play-by-play announcer on radio. The other name that comes to is Terry Gannon. And Terry Gannon, if you've watched the 30 for 30 on the NC State, um, NCAA championship uh, upset, they had way back in the early 80s. Gannon was a member of that team. Gannon has gone gone on to a um, thriving broadcast career covering all sorts of sports um, beyond just basketball. And he has handled both the play-by-play and analyst role. And then the other one that came to mind was another guy that I with. His name is Ray Bentley. Uh, Bentley's a great guy, been around a long time, former Buffalo Bills uh, linebacker from the 80s. Um, you know, so has all war stories from from those days. And when he got into broadcasting very early on, he actually started um, in a lot of ways as a play-by-play announcer and did play-by-play work for Fox. And then later was uh, for many years uh, for ESPN college football coverage as an analyst. And I remember talking to Ray about it. And Ray told me hey, he intentionally, as a former player, wanted to learn the business and start as a play-by-play announcer because he knew even if he wasn't going to be a play-by-play announcer, you know, uh, for his career, that he would, that would be the fast track and the way he could learn the broadcasting side of things and, 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 uh, you know, teach him uh, what he needed to know from both standpoints. And, you know, he eventually moved into that analyst role. And, you know, um, I remember a game that he, you know, had to, on on emergency call, had to step in and do uh, some play-by-play, and he was able to handle it. So yeah. it's, like, actually really cool to see a former player, uh, an analyst, you know, who also has that that skill set as well. And then the last one that comes to mind is Bob Euchre, you know, the former player, um, you know, obviously a Hall of Famer, uh, all these things, you know, incredible personality with the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, he's the, the uh, play-by-play voice on the radio, uh, for them for, for many years, TV as well. And, you know, he had done some analyst work also 
um, on the national side of things way back when. So those were the names that, that, that came to mind. Appreciate the submissions as well. But that play-by-play analyst, um, you know, dual role, uh, pretty rare altogether. Yeah, Bob Euchre, by the way, 88 years old and still doing it, man. That's, uh, that's unbelievable. And he wow. still sounds like he's – I actually rode the elevator once with Bob Euchre. It was a Phillies Brewers uh, playoff wild card game. And I got up on the elevator, and there was Bob Euchre in the elevator with me. Heck of a nice guy. Just like, hey, sir, how are you? I said, hey, Bob, how are you doing? And, you know, that was the extent of it. But uh, Bob Euchre is yeah. Mr. I'll, Baseball. I'll never forget those, yeah, those Miller Lite uh, commercials with, with Bob Euchre. <laughs> Just classic. I must be in the front row. Yes, indeed. Uh, get up, get up, get out is uh, the call. Uh, for Bob Euchre uh, on the Brewers. All right, let's uh, get a couple other questions that were uh, giving us an NFL spotter or stat a full-time job. Do they have other jobs in the games uh, on Sundays, or do they do stats for multiple sports? That's an interesting one. I I know a spotter for hockey uh, that does uh, Flyers hockey, and uh, I think that's all that he does, but I guess it varies from person to person. Yeah, I would say the the vast majority of them um, who I've come across, uh, it's a side gig. You know, it's a freelance gig. They have they have regular jobs, and some of them, you know, it, it's not just people within the sports industry. Some of them, you know, work in in the business world, or you know, you name it. They would do this on the weekends or the or the nights. And then, as far as the full time position. I do know a handful. There's a there's a small handful. I would say I could count them um, on one hand who I am familiar with, who have turned it into a full time profession. And these guys usually, um, you know, are. I'm trying to think like you know some of the announcers they work with. It's like I think Kevin Harlan's guy, um, you know, uh, maybe uh, Tariko's guy. A couple of these guys who are super busy in terms of different, um, you know, sports and nights of the week and that kind of thing. And you catch on with a couple of those and you can get enough assignments to turn it into a full-time job. Now it requires a lot of dedication and also the willingness to travel uh, basically nonstop you know, to, to make all that work and you would work, you know, basically year round. Um, but some of the top guys, you know, who I would consider the best and most experienced, um, especially, you know, spotter is a, another story because it's, you know, football specific, but from a talent statistician role, some of the top guys, um, they in fact have made it a full-time career, uh, where they're juggling a bunch of different employers, a bunch, bunch of different sports, a bunch of different games, and a heck of a lot of travel to make it all work. But it can it can be done. But you got to get the assignments. You have to build the relationships with the the announcers who who make that call as far as who's working with them. All right. Another quick question on uh, PA announcers: Do they work for the stadium or for the team? He mentions he remembers the Canes and Dolphins had the same PA announcer. I think we brought this up last week. Uh, where the announcer for the Phillies, uh, Dan Baker, is all, was also the announcer for the Eagles. He is no longer the Eagles announcer, but that's a good question. Who employs those people? Yeah, typically it's the it's the team uh, that would employ them. It's not you know a, a stadium, but the team or the event. If it if it's kind of a one off 
um, big event. And, you know, certainly the guys who are the best at their trade within any given market um, often do, um, you know, different assignments for, for different teams. That's for sure. Um, kind of like what we talked about with the, the play-by-play roles in a lot of these uh, teams and organizations. These are the sort of jobs on, on the highest levels that are hard to come by. You know, like a lot of these guys have been locked in for decades as far as the voice of a certain, you know, uh, team and, and whatnot. So if there's a transaction there, it, it's notable because the openings don't come up that often. Um, you know, there's a lot of ambitious PA announcers all across the country who, you know, are, are getting work at wherever they can. Uh, but as far as like, the, you know, sort of that um, top flight, you know, uh, pro sports, big five, you know, type stuff, um, yeah, you know, uh, it's the team who makes the hire, and oftentimes it's some of the same guys, um, if, you know, um, working different sports within any given market. All right, uh, one final question. World Cup's coming up. Uh, could you touch on who's expected to be the USA team broadcast announcers? Yeah, well, we still don't know, you know, like as far as the USA team because – you know, until the actual schedule and pairings and all that come out, you know, we, we don't know who's doing what game that hasn't been announced yet. You know, we talked about this before as far as the unique idea that this is being taking place in the, you know, late fall, winter, you know, here in the United States um, happening all the way over in Qatar. And uh, so it's going to be interesting as far as that goes. Um you know, the time zone stuff, I, I think, actually works out pretty good for American viewers, you know, being in, in the afternoon. But uh, stay tuned as far as who might be calling any U.S. games uh, for the, the World Cup on Fox. You know, I know they've started to roll out some of their um, roster in terms of announcers. But, you know, we'll, we'll get into that once the World Cup um, schedule itself comes out. Okay. Uh, something that Phil and I are going to throw in at the back end of these podcasts now uh, you know, we have a lot of local listeners in our local markets. I'm in the Philly area. Phil has ties to the Miami area. So close to home, some local news. I'll let you start in Miami. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Mike, because, you know, I'm, you know, constantly, you know, I live up here in the mountains of Western North Carolina now. You know, I'm at, I'm at Brevard College um, up here in the Asheville area. Uh, but I, I spent the majority of my career, you know, 25 uh years you know working close in the sports business down in miami and still in touch with a lot of uh, great friends down there as well so you know just to be able to to touch on you know some of the things i'm noticing from down there is is great and you know i know you're you're tapped into that uh philadelphia market as well so always great to hear what you are noticing there in that big market. but yeah this weekend you know the, the one thing that comes to mind and the question i um, got from a, a couple folks was, hey, you know, what, who's calling the Miami Hurricanes game? You know, college football kicking off and the Hurricanes, a lot of excitement this season with Mario Cristobal coming in as the new head coach coming from Oregon, coming back home to Miami. Um, they've been hot on the recruiting trail and there's a lot of hype surrounding the start of this year. Well, for this weekend's game, Bethune Cookman at Miami on the ACC network. Uh, George Sedano will be handling the play-by-play role. And Sedano, certainly a guy who, you know, knows the, the Miami scene. Uh, that's where he got his start. He's a Miami native. He grew up there. 
Um, he got started down there in Miami and eventually went national and also um, has, you know, laid down some big roots as far as the sports radio scene in the Los Angeles market. And Sedano, you know, you would see him on uh, ESPN from time to time in some of these, um, you know, studio roles and things like that. Um, but and also as a sideline reporter, but in recent years, if you if you've been watching real closely, he's been starting to take on more play by play assignments, um, including uh, several for ESPN radio uh, last season and, you know, starting to develop this play by play um, trade. So, um, you know, I'm I'm happy for George that he's able to, you know, take on, you know, sort of this new um, you know, step in his career. And so he'll be working, certainly a guy who knows his way around Hard Rock Stadium in, in Miami. If his, if his colleagues need to figure out a place to have some Cuban coffee and some uh, rice and beans down in Miami, I guarantee you George knows all the hidden spots down there. But he'll be play-by-play -play, uh, for the Hurricanes game. Forrest Connolly, I believe this will be his, you know, sort of, network tv debut as an analyst he's a former florida state offensive lineman and then marilyn Payne, i believe this will also be her debut as far as some of this new talent uh, marilyn comes from um university of north carolina roots she's an alum of that program so yeah you know just wanted to touch on the miami hurricanes he's an opener and who that crew would be as far as what's going down in miami and uh yeah i'll, I'll continue to keep my my ear to the ground as far as anything happening down there in the 305. All right, uh, up here in the uh, 610 and the 215, some interesting notes here. Ron Jaworski, a familiar name on the national scene, he was with Monday Night Football. He will now be doing local pre- and post-game for Eagles pre- and post-game live on NBC Sports Philadelphia, which is kind of a big deal because Ray Didinger, who was a broadcaster and a writer in our area, a uh, Hall of Fame uh, writer, uh, after 50-plus years of covering the Eagles, retired, and he was a big part of that broadcast. People really tuned in, uh, and it's a really unique situation, Phil, where they have a local pre- and post-game show for the Eagles. So, in other words, you watch the pre-game show on NBC Sports Philadelphia. You then go to Fox, generally, to watch the Eagles game, and then as soon as the Eagles game's over, you go right back to NBC Sports Philadelphia, and they have... Uh, Ray Didinger, they had former Eagle Seth Joyner and former Eagle Barrett Brooks as kind of a team up on there. And Michael Barkan is kind of the, the point person. Well, Seth Joyner is leaving the show, as is Ray Didinger. Seth Joyner is going to a YouTube post-game platform on Jacob Media. That's a whole nother story. Uh, they are really working their way into the market here with a post-game show live with Mike Missinelli, who used to do Afternoon Drive on 97.5 The Fanatic, Derek Gunn, who's a very respected Eagles reporter, who was kind of a casualty of the COVID situation at NBC Sports Philadelphia, and then they got Seth Joyner to be a part of that broadcast. Um, they're going to be doing a post game on YouTube to replace Joyner. They are getting Ron Jaworski, the former Monday Night Football guy, but a very well-respected Eagle here uh, in the Delaware Valley, he owns a lot of golf courses. And, Jaws. Yes, Jaws. Uh, worked uh, on Monday Night Football for a couple of years there, um, but uh, definitely still has a presence here. So Jaworski's going to be doing the pre- and post-game show, 
And I think he's been doing a little Westwood One radio here and there. I think this has to do with the contract. I think he still was contractually tied to ESPN and couldn't do anything until that contract expired. So now you're starting to see him get some more work. So Jaws will be there. And then a fun note, uh, Mark Zumoff, who was the longtime, over 30-year voice for the Sixers, he retired last season. Kate Scott took that role on television last year. So Mark has been retired for one full season. He randomly showed up and did play-by-play for the Phillies game on thir- on Sunday for um, an inning. He just jumped in on the third inning and did some baseball play-by-play. Very well received. I'll give you another quick thing that just popped in my mind. Was watching the Phillies game last Tuesday night in the second inning. There was an auction that the Phillies had, and a listener or a viewer at the auction uh, paid or auction, you know, donated money for a cause. And the winning prize was play-by-play for an inning during the broadcast. And I happened to be watching the game while he was doing the play-by-play. I wish I could remember his name, but he got to call. How'd he do? He did okay. He was a little. He was very well prepared. I will say that. He got to call a home run, but it was for the visiting team, so he wasn't all that excited about it. Uh, his play-by-play was okay, but I'll tell you, he was very well prepared for his moment. He had a lot of facts and questions and stuff that he brought up for John Cruck, who was doing the uh, color commentary that night. And he was really doing a good job of getting Kruk like, to interact with him. I thought he did a good job there. His play-by-play was uh, okay, uh, but I think the moment was pretty big. It's kind of hard. He had Tom McCarthy sitting right next to him over his shoulder kind of watching him. You know, McCarthy's like, okay, uh, you take it over now. So uh, kind of an interesting uh, uh, situation there. Um, but, no, overall he did a pretty nice job. So uh, there's a couple uh, things hey. close to Philly. Great stuff, Mike. Uh, appreciate those notes. And um, I just want to mention one more thing, and th- this is on a, on a really sad note down in down in Miami. On Saturday, uh, news came out that Jason Jenkins, uh, who was the senior vice president of community affairs and communications, basically the top PR person uh, with the Miami Dolphins organization who had been there you know, for 14 years, that he had died suddenly on game day uh there was a preseason dolphins game uh set for for saturday night and then the word came out that uh jason jenkins suddenly passed away at age 47 really tragic you know leaving behind family and and all that and so word came out and the 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 game went off and i just want to um you know mention that on the Dolphins preseason broadcasts, Steve Goldstein, uh, the play-by-play announcer, who is also the voice of the Florida Panthers, uh, has done a lot of um, national um, stuff as well with, with Westwood One on the, the NHL side. Uh, he's a veteran announcer. Uh, he was handling play-by-play on the Dolphins game. And then Jason Taylor, the NFL Hall of Famer, uh, former Dolphins um, great on the analyst role and the two of them um, from, you know, my vantage point got news of this very suddenly as well. And were able to address it pretty much immediately on air. And it was a very, very touching uh, moment, especially from Taylor um, 
but Goldstein as well. You could see the emotion in their face. Because folks might not know, like, you know, the, the media and the, the broadcasters work so very closely with the, the PR people. And the, the friendships in, it run so deep. You spend so much time together on the road and at all these games and so forth. And to suddenly hear that one of your friends has, has suddenly passed away, just um, a shocker down there at Hard Rock Stadium and, um, you know, for the Miami Dolphins, for the NFL, you know, and so the tribute started rolling in. But I just wanted to mention in particular – Jason Taylor and Steve Goldstein, the way they handled that on the air on short notice, but also being vulnerable and in, in expressing their, you know, emotions as well. It was it was really nicely done the the way they handled it. And, you know, I hate for those circumstances and, you know, just want to, you know, you know, throw my prayers uh, down there to, to Miami as, you know, they're still kind of rocked by this news of uh, the passing of Jason Jenkins. Yeah, good job by you there, Phil. By the way, the gentleman's name, he did the second inning was Scott Cooper Smith. He was the uh, Phillies fanatic um, auction winner for uh, Phillies charities that uh, helped for ALS. So uh, Scott Cooper Smith did a nice job on that play-by-play. I was able to dig that name up um, here. And uh, all right, speaking of passing away, sadly, and uh, we don't want to make it a somber situation, we like to celebrate Vin Scully, and we continue to find things that make us smile, uh, talking about Vin as we do the announcer schedule podcast, he, he inspired so many broadcasters, statisticians, analysts, sideline reporters, people who listen to the podcast. So uh, let's uh, get another uh, tribute to Vin Scully, as uh, this one is one that all, made us all smile uh, when we heard Vin Scully talking about beards. With two out, and the batter will be Adam Rosales. After Alexander the Great wanted clean-shaven people, it got so that the University of Paris banned long-bearded men from the lecture halls. That's back in 1533. And a few years later, the city's chief court outlawed beards on judges and advocates. And then you got to be the Russian strongman who liked a shaved face but long wig. The first pitch in for a strike. Did you know that the first woman female king of Egypt wore a fake beard to convince people that she was a man? Yeah, her name was Hathsput. Here's the strike one pitch on the way. Stripling's pitch in the dirt. Throw down to Utley. Not in time. One ball and one strike to count. Then, of course, you come to Abraham Lincoln, who was clean-shaven, and a little 11-year-old girl named Grace Bedell. She said to Mr. Lincoln, if you would grow a beard, my daddy has a beard, and my mother will tease him to vote for you. So Abraham Lincoln grew a beard. And, of course, that came up when uh, his chief rival said to him you're two-faced and Abraham Lincoln said if I were two-faced would I have the face that I'm wearing now though so he answered him pretty well two and one account stripling in a little trouble here the two one pitch on the way is taken for a strike two and two 
1976 the Supreme Court ruled that Americans do not have a legal right to grow beards or mustaches as they choose if their employer demands a clean face. Well, we know, uh, Vin, that the Yankees uh, have that rule that you cannot have facial hair. So he is obviously stating a rule that seems to be factual there, but uh, weaving the play-by-play around uh, the beard. Pretty good. Yeah, (laughs) these historical facts that he's able to to teach us along the way. And um, like we mentioned uh, before, you know, just to be able to hear uh, Vin's voice and, you know, he's influenced so many folks as well. And, you know, we'll keep on digging these up. If we're able to, we'll find them. Maybe maybe it's a great way to, you know, kind of close out each show uh, as far as, you know, reflecting back on Vince Kelly and just, you know, be able to settle in and, and enjoy a little uh, a moment here and there. And by the way, a couple quick notes. Uh, I think we mentioned Steve Lennox making his debut on Saturday with Doug Landville, Roxy Bernstein on Sunday. Labor Day, there's a couple baseball games on ESPN Radio. Tom Hart, Marley Rivera, Roxy Bernstein is back uh, doing the Rangers and Astros with Tim Kirkchin. So uh, there you go. Got a couple uh, extra Monday um, Labor Day baseball games, a doubleheader on ESPN Radio as well. All right. So we hit on just about every broadcaster in the world this week, it seems like, at least the college football world. Uh, Radio, TV, did some baseball, soccer, uh, motorsports, NFL, uh, we'll, uh, we'll almost uh, – oh, we got something else it looks like, Phil. What do you got? Well, I, I just want to know, Mike, what, what you're up to, you know, as far as I know, you know, especially now that football yeah. is, is kicking off. You know, I know I know you slide into the play-by-play role from, from time to time. Oh, yeah. So anything, you know, you've got on the, the, the docket, I'm sure it's getting busy. Well, th- Friday I did the first high school football game of the season here at an event called the Battle at the Beach. It's 11 football games in Ocean City. It's one of the most unique high school football settings in the, the country. Uh, their football field is right up against the beach and boardwalk with a Ferris wheel as the backdrop from an amusement park. 11 games there. I called the opener Mainland, which is my alma mater, against Egg Harbor Township. That game was usually played on Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving football was really big in our area, but it's starting to kind of go away So they moved this game from Thanksgiving to this new event. We are starting football very early where we live. I don't know about where others live, but in New Jersey, to have football games in the late August is very early. And I called the first one, and then I called a game on Saturday night. Red Bank Catholic, who is one of the state powers, they are generally one of the best programs in the country. I got a chance to see them up close and personal as they took on St. John Vianney. Very difficult circumstances, though. The roster, uh, let's just say they are not a powerhouse in putting their roster together. It was uh, just no rhyme or reason. The The print was very small. Uh, and then, you know, as you've done broadcasts sometimes, Phil, having the lights on in a broadcast booth is tough because of the glare off of the window, which made it difficult to see with the light on, so we had to turn the light off, which made the rosters hard to see. So I had my cell phone using the camera light, flashlight, to light up the roster, which was in no rhyme or reason. So the football season is here. I'm going to be doing another game. I call games for an outlet called BFA Sports. Uh, So I will do some football games there. And I have the radio show uh, Monday through Friday from 2 to 6 on 97.3 ESPN in Atlantic City. 
and I make some uh, guest appearances on some shows throughout our region, generally talking about the Eagles uh, from now until the end of uh, the football season. So we are always keeping busy. And if you haven't gotten enough college football and you actually want to hear yours truly on a call, I'm actually be handling the play-by-play right here at, at Brevard College. Uh, so NCAA Division Three, uh, Brevard College taking on NCAA Division Two, shorter out of the uh, Atlanta area. Um, it'll be on YouTube on the Brevard College Tornadoes uh, YouTube page, and we'll be bringing that action that Saturday, one o'clock. So our opener here. So yeah, you know, um, it's, it's, uh, fun for, for us to experience the play by play side as well. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad, glad, glad you're able to get the, those gigs in on top of all else you're, you're doing there. Yeah. Uh, and I am radio looking, station. I am looking to do more. So if anybody has, uh, knows some opportunities out there, I certainly will do them. I've done, uh, football, baseball, basketball. I do did, uh, MMA on UFC Fight Pass. My uh, partner was CM Punk there. I did a bunch of fights for a promotion called CFFC. They're one of the top uh, uh, regional promotions below the UFC. So really enjoy doing the play-by-play. Really enjoy talking about the announcers and watching them and taking notes and um, analyzing what they do. And that's why the podcast is born. Mike and Phil, all right, episode 13 in the books. I think that's all we got this week. We are out of gas, right? Yeah, I think we emptied the notebooks as as uh, <laughs> deep as we can. Of course, follow the the Twitter handle. It will give you the full listings of the the announcers uh, morning of each each game. So uh, certainly you'll see all those college football assignments. Um, you know, Thursday through Monday this week, one of the college football season upon us. Okay, rate, review, subscribe, Sports Media Watch, TJ and John. George Ofman, tell me a story I don't know. Excellent as always. The guys on the Sports Media Watch this week talk about Amazon's NFL debut, uh, Serena's final U.S. Open run. They've got uh, a special guest that you can check out as well, so we'll tease it like that. You can go check out the Sports Media Watch podcast over on the Sports Media Watch podcast feed. All right, for Phil, I'm Mike. Episode 13 in the books. Have a great week, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.